TRVR Trap Tales Across the Continent Raj, a fedora hat wearing senior counsel by day and an angel investor by night. There's a lot of to be said about strength in numbers and strength in different skills. I mean, I know my skills are different from Vishal's skills and we're very complementary and very different. I think that's the strength that I feel in my investment career that really helped me by actually teaming up with you. Vishal, a helpless foodie in the kitchen but a consummate dealmaker in the boardroom. You know, the fact that he he's such a torchbearer for Africa in some ways for uh, the ecosystem is so good and rich for the ecosystem right that we need more angels more venture capitalists that are taking you know a interest in founders from Africa at an early stage and willing to bring friends and uh, investors from all over the world it's vishal and raj on the we are vr podcast brought to you by the african private equity and venture capital association hey raj We've got uh, royalty. <laughs> we've got royalty in the house in this next segment, buddy. We've got a we've got a former prime minister. Believe that? That's a first. A- I think we've never had a form. Well, we've never had any prime minister. Never mind a former prime, prime minister. minister right? Right? <laughs> a, we we might have a prime minister in our houses and our spouses, but this is this is a uh, uh, former prime minister from Haiti. We're so excited and a, and a contemporary, a friend. We've got to know uh, Laurent. Yes. So yeah, and and why you know, tell the, the story? Yeah, so the we've, got Lo- got we've, we've got Laurent Lamont in the house. Yeah, Absolutely. coming joining us and yeah. and talk to our listeners about why and how do we know him, Laraj? Because we both do. Yeah, Vishal, thanks so much, man. I mean, it's amazing to have Law in the house. And you know what's funny is that you know one of the things that I've taken away from this whole COVID nonsense is that you know Laurent was one of the first people. who I met virtually on a Shark Tank Zoom event that was for African investors and African entrepreneurs and he met you and I on that thing and and we've become friends and hung out with each other and I mean hung out in the virtual sense I mean we've That's never right. actually we've met never had a whiskey together we've never had a whiskey never together had a whiskey but, but we've co-invested together we've co-invested together <laughs> we have invested together and And in many ways that's kind of one of the you know the upsides of this whole covid thing right we've met so many amazing people that we would never have met and we certainly wouldn't have met the former prime minister pati other than for covid so so whilst covid is a nonsense and it's 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 it's, it's a terrible tragedy um there's always silver linings and so so he and, he became a prime minister at a fairly early age right raj do you recall that yeah, story yeah i mean think Yeah, so he was a for he was a foreign minister he was a foreign minister of Haiti in 2011 and and what what I love given you know how we are sort of rubbing shoulders in in our startup ecosystem just like we like rocket ships in our startups his political career was a rocket ship right so he becomes foreign he's like a technology businessman dude he becomes foreign minister of Haiti in October. And then six months, six months later, six months later. Six months later he, he becomes prime minister. Prime minister. Right? We just got like six months later we want a unicorn and 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 Laurent is is taking off of this political career, right? So so one we one we bring him on. One we bring him on. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Before we do that, we just got to tell what he did afterwards, right? So what he did afterwards, he was 2 years prime minister. And then he said, "Okay, I've had enough of this politics stuff." 
I'm gonna give it all up. Or oh, peaceful transition, yeah. Peaceful transition. He, he, yeah, peaceful, peaceful transition. transition. No blood. <laughs> no, as far as we were aware, anyway. No <laughs> right? rioting on the on the steps aware. of any capital. Yeah. So, 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 no, no troops, nothing. And then he goes off and sets up Global Voice Group, and we'll talk about that. And that becomes an amazing success, and that's also part of the success of how he gets into Africa. And we'll talk about that. And then his latest is he set up R Ventures. I presume the R is Raj, but maybe not. Yeah, this is very self-serving, Raj. <laughs> so, so let's 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 get let's get Laurent on it and tell us about a little bit about his prime story and our ventures, etc. So, Laurent, welcome to We Are VR. We're so happy to have you on. It's great to have you on. I'm so happy, guys, to be on We Are VR. Um, you know, super excited, super excited to hear you know to, to hear you, you guys and and all that you guys are doing. It's it's, it's wonderful. So thank you for having me. So Laurent, let, let's start about let's start let's start this conversation um, of your political journey first, right? So, you know, tell us how you got there, and what were kind of some of the lessons you learned from that political journey, and how how would you have you taken that experience and applied it to your entrepreneurial life? Yeah, one okay, day you're so hanging out with Bill Clinton, then you become prime minister, and now you're hanging out with VR. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so i have to say that i think I be, i'm the accidental prime minister because actually before going into politics i was an entrepreneur um you know i i always saw the potential in technology in how to develop businesses micro enterprises small businesses and 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 you know having a dream to you know to do something that no one no, no one else in the caribbean has, has done so that was my dream my dream was you know to do something big i didn't know what uh, at the time but you know so so i i opened global voice actually in 98. global voice has you know is 20 okay. 22 years old yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so I, I did the so i opened global voice as a telecommunications company and the first country we had was in suriname in south america um you know interestingly enough you know, my father. You know, he had he had good good business relations in Suriname, and um, and you know, my partner in Miami, which who I went to school with, told me, look, he wants to do a project, a telecommunications project in Suriname. Do I have contacts? Yes, yes. You know, we started there. That was our first that that was our first country where we signed with the telephone company there, and then it went from Suriname to Guyana to Jamaica, and then it spread in the Caribbean, and then we started in Africa in 2001 in Ivory Coast. Um, and you know, it was a very small shop. You know, we started with a very, very, very tiny connection. We were reselling airtime basically. Um, and it went from, you know, from very small to the largest carrier in Ivory Coast. And then we spread out uh, towards Africa. So when Ivory Coast, Mali, Guinea-Bissau, Guinea, Senegal, wow. Gambia, wow. etc. It went everywhere. That's, a, that's, a, that's an amazing story. And you know, it's really funny. Um, Earlier today, Vishal and I interviewed um, um, a guy called Amit Damani, and you should listen to his interview. Damani and, and Jewelers, the, yeah, he's a jeweler. from Damani Jewelers, right? Oh, okay, and, yeah, yeah. And um, and the thing no, that don't I took away... don't introduce your spouse to Damani Jewelers. <laughs> <laughs> the thing the thing that I took away from him, which which really sort of resonates with what you just told, he said, you know, your network is equal to your net worth, right? And, and I think, you know, your story about how, you know, you kind of went to Suriname and Guyana, it's really about your network, right? I mean, whether it's your network, your father's network, your friend's network, 
it's really about you know your net worth truly is your net worth right well you know that's that's all you have that's that's all you keep also it, it's up to you to keep it to maintain mm -hmm. it you know mm -hmm. to uh and also to cherish it you know because you have to also exchange exchange with, with, with people so therefore using a good contact management tool is, is very important one that you know you, you don't lose the contact that reminds you um you know when you have to stay in touch and and so i always i always understood the power of the network and Laurent, some of I mean, the some of the network piece comes from um uh through depth in relationship but some of it comes from uh, office, for instance. So, for example, in your case, you're a really good example of this, that you would have met people as a result of your political office. And then what the world has taught us is that once you're out of that office, that network kind of forgets you. So you're perhaps a really good example to learn from. How do you kind of invest in that, keep that up, make sure that they remember you if you want them to remember you, and, and continue a journey because life can be quite transactional. It is. That's a very good point. What I mean, my experience in this case is after, you know, you, first of all, you have political friends and then you have business friends. When you're in business, you have business friends. When you're in politics, you have political friends and acquaintances. And then when you leave, you have the real genuine friends, right? Because, uh, you know, it's it's something that's, it's, it's something else when you, you know, you, your phone rings off the hook when you're in office and then the minute you're no longer in office you know you look at the phone you're like you know is the ringer off or something is why isn't why why isn't anyone calling me <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly exactly you know so you have to so, so now what i did what i did you know more or less to 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 maintain that i had very strong you know personal friends and contacts from you know from from before from my days and you know when we started the global voice so that's the core group that, that, that I always, you know, work with and, uh, you know, that I love and, and that, that, that I felt genuine, you know, love and appreciation. And that's what I kept in my mind going. So basically, it, it allowed me to manage the ups and the downs. Um, and having the, the, the political friends, after you resign, you, you have between six to eight months. Your brain stays alive between six to eight months. After that, people start, you know, they start forgetting you. Even in, especially in the in the political world, because what happens is, you know, democracy. There is always, you know, new governments coming along, right? New governments, new ministers, etc. And those that you knew, you, you no longer know them. And then, they, they, and at the end of the day, after eight months, so you need to reinvent yourself within that time frame, and do something else to move on to the next, you know, step of your life. That was my. My, so how did you, know, you how did you make that transition? How did you make that transition? Wh okay, so what I do, so what I did is you know um, so so we did something very impactful uh, in the government you know in Haiti because one of the biggest issues was education you know education and lack of access to education. So we have the government didn't have any funds or a budget to pay for the education. So we created an innovative financing uh, mechanism where we put in a levy on international phone calls coming into the country right. and then paying for school tuition. And it went up from 55 to 90%. So I, so basically I became, if you want, a champion for innovative financing through technology. And I kept that when I left, I felt that I had to give back to, to communities around the world, to governments, to, to universities. So right after I left, I, I basically went on, on speaking tours, speaking engagements 
which until the COVID, I did, you know, let's say six to seven times per year. So I would go and talk about innovative financing and it, it, its impact on development, how technology can lift a country out of poverty. Let me just ask you one of the things that interestingly that, you know, you talked about was you know, a lot of your early career as a businessman, as an entrepreneur, was basically interacting with government and the government is the contracting party. And I always remember one of my private equity clients says, I don't want to touch anything, anything where the government is involved because it comes with all sorts of issues, right? So can you talk us through, you know, what, what the issues were and how do you sort of get around those kind of issues when your counterpart is the government and, you know, well, whether you had any particular problems and how did you overcome them? Well, you, you know, usually um, the approach is, uh, is is fairly straightforward in terms of there is a, a stigma on, on governments, mostly on developing countries' governments, African yes. governments, Caribbean yeah, yeah. governments, etc. There is a stigma. And, you know, I think it's very unfair uh, to put everybody in the same basket. Okay. Yes, you, you, yes, you're going to have issues in some countries, of course, just like you could have issues in Canada or the United States. But the minute you say you're going to have, you know, a project to to work with the government, automatically there is a, a stigma. So, you know, th I mean, there's been some international recognized uh, methods of for transparency. You know, having a, a, a competitive bid, etc. But but most of all, I think that you know ourselves, you know, we were able to to you know grow so quickly and and so fast because you know what we were offering at the time was was a breakthrough because we were basically reselling airtime to the, the the western world of capacity purchase and improving the quality of service and at the same time fighting the the illegal uh traffic coming into africa so we were the only company doing that really in the world so um you know doing business as an entrepreneur okay and being an entrepreneur in in africa trying to get investors, trying to get Western investors. I think that, look, there has to be a change of mentality from the Western investors. For, for, because one of the, the biggest assets, I think, that Africa has and the Caribbean is its youth. It's, it's yeah, the potential. 100%, 100%. It's the creativity. It's amazing how, you know, the story of how you came from Haiti to Africa and it's incredible what you've done over, over across the continent. But listen, and I always think that we want to hear the good news story about Africa, right? There are too many bad news stories. So what's your what's your best, you know, best story about, you know, what you how you succeeded in Africa um, since you've come to Africa? What's your best story? Well, you know, the best story is is to is I think it's about collective capitalism and what I call collective capitalism is is coming to a country um, of course, you, you know, you're a business person. You're always going to look at the bottom line. Okay. You're doing business to make money, but then you have to also give back. Okay. You have to also create, do some good and, and have a product that, 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 that basically impacts positively people. It's not only about, you know, raping economies and, and, and coming to make a quick buck and things like that. That has to be completely, you know, those are the models that don't succeed. I, I, I feel myself, you know, being an African at heart and, and, you know, and I, when I was in the government, I actually went to the United, uh, to the African Union on a speech where Haiti was the, the guest of honor. And I looked at all the presidents, there was over 50 presidents. And I told them that Haiti 
is Africa. Is Africa in the Caribbean? Correct. Correct. You know. That's... So I feel I feel right at home. I mean, and 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 everybody that knows me, you know, when, when, wherever I am in Africa, I feel right at home. And and Lawrence, sort of, sort of, you've gone from you know being an entrepreneur to be a, to a venture capitalist, right? So now you've got our ventures. And our ventures has has is investing across the continent. I think it's not just in the continent. I think you're investing globally, right? Yeah, we're investing globally. But but you seem but to have. But mostly mostly focus in Africa. Okay, so right, but you, okay. as I said, you seem to have a, a, a the focus on Africa. Can you just talk us about talk us through what you're looking for in terms of startups or technology and what's your thesis? Okay, so the thesis is you know. Um, we have a fairly large business in, in, in Global Voice that's, that operates in, in so many countries right now. So um, the original thesis was to invest to complement um, well, the, the offer of Global Voice because you know we're working in, in huge data capacity um, in several countries, and, and we're offering a service that's truly unique. So basically, to enhance to enhance that, we wanted to find you know gems you know within you know the startup space. And help them by helping them by one investing, you know, uh, in equity, and two, um, basically giving them the opportunity to have a commercial agreement in the different countries where we are. So this is this is the thesis um, that that we're doing, and what we're trying to do also is to bridge African startups and Caribbean um, needs. So, right. for example. We, we are looking at, you know, digital banks, for example, a digital bank that works in Africa that can work in the Caribbean um, as well. So so we are doing, you know, something that hasn't been done again before is to partner with people such as yourselves, you know, strong entrepreneurs, and then helping them discover new markets, um, you know, through, like through a startup. Yeah. And, and uh, right. is, there, Laura, is there a one investment that you've made that you're particularly excited about that you could share well we did i mean we did the kudu bank and we're very excited about that where um, was that so where, what country nigeria that was nigeria so basically it returned <laughs> almost a four four well, you talk about kudu bank yes all right well, we all are co-investors yes no, yes no 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 hang on hang on it's kudu k-u-d-u or k-u-d-a no it's it's Kudabek. Yeah, oh, you're on Kudabek. Oh, I didn't realize yeah. you're on Kudabek. Yes. We were, we were the, Laurent, we were the first largest investors in Kudabank and just in the process of exiting. Th th then you must be very happy people to Very happy, indeed. Very happy. <laughs> this is, this oh, is you our, know something? I've known our... you for a year and we've never realized that, that you were also an investor in Kudabank. This yes, is definitely a conversation we should have afterwards. Yes. Uh, for, for sure. Laura, no, we're Laura, looking you know, at when we met that when we met that founder, they had three thousand in beta, uh, didn't have all the licenses. It was pre-seed. It was pre-seed. Yes, yeah, and pre um, and we were the single largest check that that founder received after coming out of an accelerator. And today they've got to a second institutional round in six months, and you know the multiples that are being talked about. It's crazy. So, ab absolutely a dynamite story. Roland, I wanted to take you back to a little bit of the startup investing. You, we talked about a great example. How about one that perhaps you burned your fingers with? A bad apple, a bad case, or one that just didn't work out? Well, actually, we haven't, you know, because we're very, very careful. At, you know, of course, you know, and we just started also. 
So we only have really five investments that we've done so far. So we haven't had any bad ones. But what I could say is, you know, the difficulty of, you know, there is a last mile leap of faith that you have to do where you actually talk and making the investment and making the transfer. Sometimes, you know, you have, you, you really have to have a leap of faith because of the, the, the I, I think the lack of, of, you know, background data on the companies that you're, that you're investing with. Like you were saying, you know, when you saw the, the Samoa, you saw the founder, you know, basically warmed your heart and then, and then you took the leap of faith. So that's what we're looking at right now in terms of, uh, but we're very, very new at this. And, um, and you know, so, so far, thank God, knock on wood, we haven't had a bad, uh, a bad experience, but I'm sure, you know, this is, this is the, this business, it's going to happen for yeah, sure. It, it's going to happen. But, but I think I want to pick up one thing you said, I think we also got a lot of comfort from our co-investors, right? I mean, it wasn't just the founder, it was our co-investors as well. So Absolutely. I think there's a, there's a lot of to be said about strength in numbers and strength in different skills. I mean, I know my skills are different to Vishal's skills and we're very complementary and very different to your skills are very complementary and Jim's skills are very complementary. And I think, I think that's the strength that I feel in my investment career that's really helped me by actually teaming up with people. Sorry, particularly those that we share values with and that we trust and have built some form of track record with, right? Even if it's if it's new, we love that. Right? Of doing, of making the investment because I know that, you know, some questions that I forgot, you know, Raj remembered. Some question that I, that, that I wouldn't remember, Jim asked it. Some, some experience where I feel we need, need more due diligence, you know. So at the end, at the end, it's, it's really also a good setup you know, to, to bring investors into markets that they other, otherwise feel a little bit, you know, jittery about or unsure about is to provide them with that level of comfort um, through some of the funds that are yeah. that are happening right now. I agree. And I think the, the other piece I always say is that, you know, in, in all these syndicates, there's always one person who's the most enthusiastic, right? right. And then someone who's the least enthusiastic, right? And actually that's a really good dynamic to have right because everybody Absolutely. then you know you kind of meet in the middle and you know everyone sort of counters each other Some, sometimes i find that i'm super enthusiastic and vishal saying no 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 right <laughs> well laurent said that we should not stereotype you're stereotyping <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he gets a waiver on that one it's all good that was amazing right do you have fun <laughs> That was fun. I really enjoyed that. You know, it's quite funny how you find out things about people. The more you talk to them, you know, even when you, you think you know them and then you come on, they come on the program and they tell you something that, wow, really? We yeah, both you, are you in, in the same uh, deal as me. In the same <laughs> deal. I didn't even know that. Yes. Yeah, that's cool. Yes. Well, and, uh, and, and, you know, the fact that he he's such a torchbearer for, for Africa in some ways uh, for uh, the ecosystem is so good and rich for the ecosystem, right? That we need more angels, more venture capitalists that are taking, you know, a interest in founders from Africa at an early stage and willing to bring friends and uh, investors from all over the world. But, uh, so I'm, I'm loving that about our association with Laurent. No, I think it's, it's great. And, and I think it's quite interesting how, you know, he made that transition so smoothly between, you know, business, politics and back into business, right? I mean, that's incredible. And there's a real lesson there about uh, exiting your political life at the right time. 
And, Always at the uh, top. And and then um, and not losing yourself. I mean, he's yeah. done a he's yeah. done a fairly yeah. good job. No, that was a really good good episode. Really enjoyed it. Loved the banter. Loved the loved the energy levels. He's a good guy. For sure. And and we'll do more deals with him. I mean, look, one of the things that you know I came out of this was. You know he's hungry to do more, and he wants to do stuff more with us. And you know, hopefully, we'll do more stuff with him. Well, you know, hey, Raju, one of the things that he reminded me is because it came up several times in this episode for our listeners as he talked about uh, Jim Chu's platform Nest, and and perhaps what we'll do is let's well, let's bring on Jim Chu. No, and, we'll definitely uh, get Jim. I mean, Jim has we'll... been. Yeah, I think if I look back over the last one year, you know, Jim and Lauren probably stand out the two people. Who I've met, who've really been a um, fantastic addition to the network, and we've done so much with both of them. So yeah, it'd be great to have Jim, and Jim's a great guy. Thanks, guys. Thanks, yeah. Jeff, Jim. Thank you very much. Good stuff. With that, thank you all. We are VR. Trap tales across the continent. It's Vishal and Raj on the We Are VR podcast. The podcast is executive produced by Jeff Mortet, proudly sponsored by the African Private Equity and Venture Capital Association. Catch the We Are VR podcast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We Are VR. Trap tales across the continent.